0: One of the most pressing challenges of our generation concerns energy and growing demand for it. It affects almost every aspect of our lives. How we work, how we travel, how we spend our free time, how we design cities, or even how we think about the future of farming. And most of all, it affects our planet. In this podcast, we will talk about the future of energy, what are the biggest challenges for the grid operators, and what are the ideas to meet them that we all, electricity users, will benefit from this. My name is Lukas Gras and I will be your host for the entire podcast series we called Powering Low Carbon Communities with ABB. Let's start. I spoke recently to many renewable energy experts and activists and I feel there is a consensus about the importance of renewable energy. But I do still wonder, why do we keep talking about some percentage of energy coming from renewables? Why don't we talk about 100% coming from renewables? Will there be a day when we will achieve that goal? To answer these questions, I have invited Dr. Maria Zima, r and Manager for Smart Cities and Solutions at ABB. Hello Maria. Hello, Lucas. Good morning. And Dr. Yaman Evren Solu, principal expert at the Research Center for Energy Networks at ETH Zurich. Hello. Hi Lucas. Thanks. Thanks for inviting. Thanks for joining me, my pleasure. What what's the weather outside your window right now, guys? Is the wind blowing now? Maria?
1: I think I'm in some different universe because it's cloud-cloudy and quite grey.
0: <laughs> See, You know, uh, since the wind is not blowing today, we would have a problem if we relied only on wind energy and did not have enough of uh, it stored. Unfortunately, sun and wind come and go on their own schedule, right? And grid operators can't turn them on and off as needed. The so renewables are quite a challenge for operators. So let's start with the big question. Is it possible to generate the power 100% from renewables?
1: Absolutely, it is. So even today we can find examples of small scale systems such as islands that are fully powered by renewables. And we can see systems that are self-sufficient, so-called microgrids that are powered by renewables or even countries that are very close to 100% renewable production. In all of these examples, you would find one commonality, very high availability of the primary renewable energy resource, which is usually hydro or geothermal or biomass or sun and wind when they are strongly combined with flexibility.
2: Actually, maybe also we can say that um... So when we say countries, let's say we have Norway, and Norway, almost hundred percent of their electricity production comes from actually renewable. But what is renewables in that in that case? It is hydro. Uh, Brazil also in, a, in another ex- a, a good example. Let's say uh, almost seventy five percent comes from hydro, and another nine some percent. So in total, eight plus percent comes from renewables in Brazil. And, and recently in in Germany. There were records, let's say, on days in May that more than 60-70% comes from uh, wind and solar combined. But of course, when we say 100% for Norway or 75% for Brazil, we talk on an annual basis, while for Germany it was on a daily basis. So this happened in Germany on a low demand day in May Uh, 60 plus percent of the demand was covered by wind and solar. But of course, we have to really emphasize that here, Germany is very well interconnected in the European system. And the the reality is that these 60 plus percent of demand coverage on a daily basis occurred a few days a year. And uh, if you think about uh, a whole year, the highest demand in Germany, for example, happened uh, right before Christmas on the evening, when we had uh, much less solar, much less wind, less than 10% was covered by renewables. So
0: this is important to, to put it right. Okay, so, so maybe we are just using the wrong term. What does it even mean 100% uh, percent from renewables? Maybe net 100% renewables are more realistic term. Could you explain that to our listeners?
1: Yeah, let, let us first also uh, emphasize and understand uh, in more details what it means Uh, renewable generation. Uh, So we speak about hydro, wind, solar, geothermal, biomass, and green hydrogen. And on later two, I would like to elaborate a bit more. The biomass is renewable when you burn and you still burn. For example, uh, sugarcane leftovers uh, that can be removing CO2 in an observable amount of time. So during one season, They will be growing and removing CO2 from the atmosphere. And then when they are burned, they are releasing the CO2 in the atmosphere. But in the end, this is balanced out. So it's plus and minus within the one year. Green hydrogen, that is a hydrogen that is being produced by applying renewable power. So the overall footprint of burning the hydrogen that turns into the water when burning uh, is also neutral. So that is about the uh, type of the renewable resources that we have at our disposal.
2: And uh, in addition to these types, also we have to really bring back this uh, demand. So as as system operators, they try to match the demand at all times momentarily. So momentarily, when somebody is actually switching on a light, there has to be an electricity production to meet that demand. And this demand... As you can imagine, it greatly varies actually during the day, during the season, from season to season, day to day, and uh, on vacation days, uh, weekends, Sunday, Saturday, in the US when there's a big game or in Europe if there's a big event. So it changes so much uh, and frequently sometimes. So in Europe, for example, in a summer night the demand can be as low as half of what would be observed in a winter day. So this is very important to to put it on the table. So obviously, 100% renewable countries, uh, we can observe them quite rare. And um, there will be moments when a country generates a lot of energy by renewables when they don't need it. And in other moments, actually, when they need it, there is not... uh, Wind and solar, they have to rely on fossil-based generation, which is actually providing the flexibility that is needed. What is flexibility? To be able to increase the generation or decrease the generation on a short notice. Whenever the is sun is not shining or wind is not blowing, somebody has to basically pick up the tab. So uh, the term net 100% renewable or even 200, and in Australia they are talking about even 700% renewable, of course it is more realistic uh, because the, the, the country or the region, let's say, the, the, the people who are generating a current amount of renewable energy to cover its demand, and uh, sometimes they might be generating a lot of fossil-based and they will be actually buying renewable Later, So this net 100% or let's say 100 plus percent renewable might be actually really a more realistic term. Well,
0: thanks, thanks for this uh, explanation. Now I understand more. Uh, you know, I, I like to talk about challenges uh, because they take us out of our comfort zone. They allow us to grow. So can you list the biggest obstacles? What keeps us from getting to 100% from renewables? In short, yes, why are we
2: not replacing, right? In short, I will itemize. The first one is controllability. The second one is intermittency. And the third one is the location. Now I will a little bit elaborate on it. So first one, what is controllability? So hydro, biomass, geothermal sources, uh, they have limited availability. Uh, Green hydrogen is still challenging at the current price levels and... uh, the conventional generators are controllable. As I just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, they can be actually generating or decreasing their generation on a short notice. They are controllable and they are also flexible. Flexibility has the dimension also how quick they can respond. We call it ramping. So how, how quickly they can respond to a, to a, request of generation increase or decrease. So this is basically the controllability and flexibility dimension. The second one is intermittency, we said. What is intermittent? Yes, you sometimes have it and you sometimes have less than you expect. So forecasting is important. How accurately we can forecast next day or in the next week what will happen, which is very important for the operators. So as I mentioned, I want to reiterate it again. That whenever we switch a light, whenever we start using our laptop, whenever we demand electricity at home, somebody has to be producing it momentarily. It has to be match, matched continuously at all times, every hour, every minute. So uh, this intermittency is a challenge that can be uh, actually addressed. Uh, but it is a challenge that we have to basically uh, put it on the table very, very openly. And clearly. So, uh, of course, uh, when we talk about the flexibility of conventional generators, what we can do with uh, the intermittency nature of sun and wind is that we can couple them with actually energy storage uh, technologies that can be thermal, battery, or other types of energy storage um, uh, technologies. And uh, here, then we can create a flexible kind of uh, generation and storage system, and uh, we can actually uh, move towards this matching the demand and electricity generated from sun and wind. So we have to really uh, emphasize here, we cannot emphasize enough the need for flexibility in that sense, because more that when we will turn off conventional generators like, like coal or gas, we are actually decreasing the flexibility in the system that was provided by these generators. So we need even more flexibility to make up for it so that we can actually achieve these targets. So uh, I think uh, uh, if you think about it, this uh, reserve, what we call it reserves have to be always under control. The process always have to be basically uh, prepared. The grid operators have to be pre- prepared and this, When when we change the paradigm, we also uh, literally need to take care of this lack of reserve, lack of flexibility, and we have to make up for it. So finally, finally, we talk about location. So where can we build all this uh, new uh, kind of technology, solar and wind, right? So these generating plants will be massive.
0: Location very often means uh, regulation problems. That's also, yes, you're right,
2: yes. Uh, But uh, also in the city, in the middle of the city, you cannot have a solar farm or wind also. So we need to ensure that there's grid connection to these resources.
1: And I would like uh, maybe to add some analogy that I was thinking of. So the flexibility is being discussed and the need for the grid connection is being discussed. But let me bring it into the terms that are easy to operate. Let's assume that we as humans, we would... Uh, need to eat continuously to preserve the energy. And that would be keeping the system in balance. So if we would have some ready-to-eat foods, if we would have some fridge and food that is fast to cook, and we would have some food in the freezer. So there are different time scales of the needs of the system to consume the energy. And uh, that is kind of a similarity. So the need of the different flexibilities is uh, is very important for the system. And uh, another example for the locations and interconnectivity and the grids is uh, imagine that you're cooking. And if you are in the neighborhood, then you can borrow some component of cooking sugar, for example, from, from your neighbor if he doesn't need it at that moment. And these two aspects are very important. So first of all, you need to keep system in the balance. And for that, you need to have reserves that you can activate on the different timescales. And you need to have the possibility to borrow energy from, uh, from your neighbor. And for, for that, you have a complementarity and you have interconnectivity of the, uh, of the grids. And that's also a very important aspect.
0: When we talk about difficulties, what we really often talk about is money or time. So let's talk about time first. It's easy to talk about change, but how long does it take to innovate in this field? Years or decades?
2: In short, it is decades. So why it is decades? I want to reiterate this question, money or time. For me, it is not money or time. It is time. And why is it time only? Because it has many components in it. Money is one of them. Money uh, to to be able to find the right financing schemes is one dimension which caused the delay. But uh, there is also uh, the regulation aspects. And uh, if you think about an orchestra, an orchestra, if you build an orchestra, you need time to practice so that it is not creating cacophony it creates and it plays a nice symphony so for this you need time so similarly uh, to be able to sustain the uh, the the resiliency and robustness of our current system current electricity system we need also time to first uh, put everybody on the same table So organizational approach has to be uh, rethought and agreed upon. Regulation has to be agreed upon and has to be there. And um, standards has to be there. So it needs time. And finally, it needs also money.
0: There's one sentence I read that stuck in my head. And let me quote it right now. Energy transition is harder near the end. Each percentage point between 90% and 100% renewables is more expensive to achieve than the previous, is it?
2: Generally, I am not sure if I would agree with, uh, or like this, each percentage point uh, will be more expensive than the previous. But in general, the trend, you are right, the step between 90 and 100% will might be hard because... We need to either over dimension wind and solar production uh, capacities. We have to ensure big reserves, maybe for rare occasions and combination of uh, events that can cause basically bell accounts. The trend is right. It will get more and more difficult, more challenging and maybe more costly. Uh, and, but there are also kind of, I think, options and uh, a battery solution maybe is a, is one of the solutions. Carbon capture, hydrogen and complementary, complementarity between the sun and wind availabilities, availabilities between North Africa, China and Europe. So th- there are many different solutions that can come into the picture and that can make it actually uh, economically more attractive. And um, of course, between today and 90 percent is even a very big step. Because of fundamentally different technical characteristics of renewables, and uh, we are able to preserve many principles of operation, and we may not require additional big uh, amounts of flexibility. Because currently uh, we are at uh, around thirty percent of wind and solars, let's say on average. And as we rise, as we go forward with the ambition, of course, the importance of grid uh, will actually. Uh, will increase because it will allow to explore this complementary of resources and demands uh, between different regions.
1: Power system is still the largest man-built system on the planet. So with all the innovation that we have in hand and that ABB innovation is our DNA, we really have a huge challenge in front of us. And just to bring another example, Swiss system just agreed in Tiny country like Switzerland, it's long enough to be able to tie around the equator six times. So, this is what the magnitude uh, we are talking about. And this system has to be performing as reliable as it is now, or maybe even more reliably, uh, because we are getting more and more dependent on the electricity. I think about it without electricity, no water, no communication, no transport, no ventilation, no banking, everything stops. And that's uh, that's a natural step the humanity is doing. That's the progress.
0: Let, let's stay for a while uh, in the subject money. Because if something costs money, you always have to look for ways to cut costs. What are the ways to lower these costs?
1: So for me, uh, there are two aspects. Stronger grids and digitalization. If we uh, think of... Uh, complementary technologies and additional measures, uh, it would be also uh, the batteries. And they have a, a, a fantastic application in some of the cases, and some of the areas. I know that uh, sometimes we tend to overestimate uh, the role of some of the technologies. So there were visions uh, that with the batteries, we don't need to have grids anymore. Uh, but let me put it in the perspective. So we have calculated uh, that for a household to be completely off the grid, completely independent in Germany, you would need to buy a battery that is worth 1 million euros. So that is speaking about the money and speaking about how to decrease the costs. Uh, Again, the batteries have a a very important role. And in many cases, they would be a a great complementary solutions. But the uh, Core is with the grids and core is with digitalization. Digitalization is a frequently more efficient way to enhance the grids uh, without investing necessarily in the power carrying equipment. So more automation, more coordination, that helps a lot. And uh, another big driver. Uh, that digitalization brings uh, along is, of course, the maintenance. And we should not forget about this aspect. Infrastructure is there not just to operate. It needs to be built. It needs to be maintained. Uh, so with the maintenance, we can uh, switch to more predictive maintenance to avoid the uh, uh, outages in the moments when it's you know, mostly important, mostly critical. And that's another a huge step that digitalization is bringing us.
2: And maybe I can add this. Um, I mean, digitalization is uh, a sexy word now, but uh, it has not started yesterday. More in 2000, more in 1990. Computers, the first large-scale computer adoption is in the power system electrical industry, Uh, in this transmission and distribution operation Industry. So, uh, in and when did it happen? In 1970s, beginning of 1970s, and um, it was actually driven by the need of uh, coordinating, orchestrating this large, complex system which is inter- interconnected, and um, it has been evolving since then. Uh, the digitalization has been continuously actually explored from mechanical relays to electromechanical relays to computer relays. Uh, This is a uh, technological uh, terminology, but uh, there are so many dimensions that uh, has been actually explored when it comes to digitalization, which actually reduced the costs and enabled reliability and resiliency and robustness in the grids. And um, and in the past decade or so, there is uh, what is new, communications became much more affordable, faster, uh, processing power of computers increased. Now we are actually utilizing these emerging uh, efficient algorithms like artificial intelligence or machine learning algorithms uh, to actually decrease the cost, increase our uh, forecasting capabilities when it comes to wind or solar or demand. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of information with smart meter deployments in different countries, which is also still ongoing. So we are making and we are trying to make use of this to reduce the operation costs, to reduce, the, uh, to increase the reliability and to make it uh, happen that we can actually accommodate more renewables, more wind and solar uh, resources in the system.
1: And thanks for mentioning that, Yaman, because that brings me actually to uh, recall that the first uh, computer, essentially... It's a microprocessor-based device, so that's a computer that should be uh, helping us to uh, protect uh, from failures the parts of the system that, due to different reasons, might be failing. For example, the tree would be falling on the line. So the first uh, installation of the digital device of that sort, ABB have done in 1982. We were the pioneers. So it's um, almost 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with you, uh, especially with the sense in the sentence that revolution, digitalization, digital revolution uh, has not started yesterday. But uh, on the other hand, to be honest, the the pandemic, the COVID-19 and the lockdown accelerated the fourth industrial revolution.
1: Absolutely. And now we have also a a much bigger acceptance of people and every one of us was uh, affected by that. Uh, and and what we have now uh, to our disposal, also the opportunity uh, to build up and use uh, support tools such as uh, remote communication, remote assistance. So we are able to support, uh, for example, utility personnel that is doing some maintenance on the devices and might not have a full depth understanding on a very specific features. So he can just call in remotely and screen share so to speak
0: okay it was a great pleasure to have you today on our podcast Uh, i hope uh, this is not our last time meeting and talking about climate i'm keeping my finger crossed for your activity and i hope uh, you manage to convince as many people as possible to your idea you're doing a great job keep it up thank you very much
1: thank you so much lucas was a pleasure
0: thank you very much for
2: the invitation my pleasure